Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, executive pastor at Redeemer Fellowship. So what happened to your face? You know what? Holy smokes. It was nice and sunny today. You look like a negative of a raccoon. You've oh. got, you know what? You've got Trump eyes. That's what you have. You no, have Trump eyes. That's not eyes. funny. That's that not funny. That is exactly what you have because you're all nice and brown. You got this golden Aztecian brown skin because you've been in the sun a lot. Mm. But you've got white around your eyes. Mm-hmm. Trump eyes. That's what you have. Thing is, I, I can't deny because it's true right I now. Know. But did it's, you fall asleep? What the heck? No, I was happened? out there reading. I was out there enjoying the day, and it's my daughter's birthday, so we're hanging out, having donuts. So it's Ariana's fault. <laughs> Okay. No, 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 no. It was definitely my fault. Okay. And, Man, you, know. you, you totally have Trump eyes. This is great. I hate you. I just love it so much. I, I do miss the sun, though. Mm. I need that sun. I yeah. need it. I need, I need to go somewhere warm. I need to leave. You, yeah, usually you're I'm in gone. Europe or Jamaica by now. Exactly. I <laughs> wanted to go shelter in place to... <laughs> in Jamaica, and it would not happen. Can't you, can't you just like cite some sort of business thing? No, but I might next weekend. I might, I might be going somewhere, and I'm going to uh, temporary workspace. Take me with you. <laughs> it's about 45 minutes away. I'll no. let you know. <laughs> All right. Okay. Can I, can I smoke there? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Where I'm going, yeah. Are you going to Casa de Monte Cristo? Don't no, they're you not worry. Nope. They're not No, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. Okay. Temporary workspace? No, no. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be like a, a secluded. Okay. Well, let me know. Like a cabin? I, okay. Just. I can work. I can uh, work yeah, too. I, can, I, I can't work I know, I know. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. <sighs> That's what I'm looking to do. I can't do this anymore. You know what happened today? What's that? It's called a name. It was called a name. I was called crappy. Today? I was called crappy today. today? Quiet over there. I was called uh, via text. Uh-huh. You know who called me crappy? Um, You'll never guess. No, Steve McCoy. Oh, obviously, that obviously, would be a pretty been good Steve choice because his vocabulary okay. is so small. Exactly. He can't think of any good uh, words. Uh, could have been Barnabas Piper. Uh, again, 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 that's another individual he, that's that not, would not surprise me. Yeah. No, it will, you will be shot. It was, no, it could not be someone from like Crossway. It couldn't be like a Justin Taylor, someone like that. Right. Okay. Justin Taylor has never uttered the word crap in his life. I know. That's, that's what fact. I'm trying to say. Okay, it could so not have been obviously him. Obviously not him. It was Dane Ortland. <sighs> Dane Orland called Ortland? me old crappy via text. That's oh, what he called. Oh, by the way, Dane here. Uh, Dane, welcome to the podcast. Welcome, Thanks Dane. for joining us. Oh, great to be with you guys, especially you old crappy. <laughs> <laughs> Auto-correct. Chappy. Yes. Chappy. Love you, old chappy. Oh, this is so awesome. I loved it so much. Dane... Um, so okay, let's let's uh, let's just give you give you a little introduction here, and then we can just hang out and talk, man. We've been trying to set this up forever, but uh, everybody's busy, and then the corona came in, and and we, now we're just like whatever. Dane did not show up with a mask, by the way. I'll tell yeah, you that right you know now. What? You know what? No he, mask. He also didn't show up with a cover on his gas tank. What is up with oh that? Oh my bro? goodness! Or or like he combed his hair. You see his hair? Like <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about. I have not been to Great Clips in two months. Okay, the 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 um get my car washed ripped the gas tank and cover off what? of my car what kind of car do you have and why is it a fiesta well, one one that uh should have been domestically created i think oh my it's, goodness ah. yeah. but, uh, dane, dane thanks wuhan you look so sharp when i see you professionally and here you look so relaxed yeah. you know, i know like he got like, out of the car out of that car yeah with his like yeah you know he's dressed his like board shorts he's he's <laughs> Are you from the West Coast? He's dressed like Matthew McConaughey when he's not working. Hey, man, it's... All right, all right, all right. We're like 45% of the way through 2020, and we had our second day above 70 degrees. I'm wearing whatever shorts I want. (laughs) If you guys don't know who Dane is, Dane 
I didn't correct me if I get this wrong. Mm. Um, Dane is the chief publishing officer uh, and Bible publisher mm. at Crossway. Is right. that right? Okay. Uh, and Dane, uh, married to Stacy, you have five children. You've written a number of books. Most recently, The Amazing. Jimmy and I love this book. Yeah. We've been promoting it since before it came out. Mm. Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. We're going to be talking about that on the Thursday episode. So stay tuned for that. Um, Dane, mm. you, you, you blog. You blog, blog, yeah. but you blog in like two thousand and five. Yeah, I, I did he, it back he, when I was in grad school. No, 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 it's it was, it's updated. It's yeah. updated. I saw yeah. there was some stuff from April of twenty twenty. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a blog spot, isn't it? It is. It's still a blog oh, hold spot. Hold on, hold yeah. on. I love the name of it though. <laughs> <laughs> Strawberry dash rhubarb theology. Well, that's that makes sense. Obviously. Strawberry you don't, you rhubarb don't, you don't theology. Get it. No, you don't, it's I a don't get thing. it. You wouldn't get it. Oh yeah, we understand. You know what you don't get though? You know what? I like how he puts the dates on there. What are you talking about? Day, month, year is how you've got it set. You've got it set the European Whatever way. Whatever I did 12 years ago. Okay. <laughs> so, Dane, um, what does it mean that – so you work at Crossway. We love Crossway. Um, we love a lot of the books that are published there. Uh, we love the ESV. Mm -hmm. Some um, of the people, yeah. And some of the people – genuinely, all of the people that we've met there are really amazing people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and great – uh, generational diversity in that place and uh, smart, creative, spiritually minded people. But what does it mean to be the chief publishing officer and a Bible publisher? That's your, those are your roles. What does that mean? It is an amazing place to work. I, I love working there. I mean, you got to taste that Joe when we traveled internationally a couple of years ago together. Yeah. I remember that. that yeah. Let, let's talk about the time you guys were together without me. <laughs> that would be great. We were in South Africa, Africa, yeah. All over South Africa. Yeah, so actually. Dane, why don't you go ahead and continue and uh, let us know how you brought us the word of God and how we all should thank you. Uh, for scripture. <laughs> the company is basically broken down into thirds. Okay. Publishing, uh, creative, and operations. So my responsibility is to oversee the publishing side of things. So uh, it's books, Bibles, and tracks. And there's editorial and production to each of those elements. And uh, it's a really, really great team I work with. Really thankful for it. Yeah, we... Uh our, our, our boy uh, Tony Dopke, yeah, of course, yeah, one of the one of the guys that's doing sales and stuff. Wonderful uh, guy, love him, and he just preached for us uh, not too long, just mm. a couple weeks ago. Did a great job, even though it was you know on YouTube instead of <laughs> in the sanctuary. <laughs> he killed it. It was a, he did a he did a really good job. Um, well, what we wanted to talk to you about for this bonus episode was Bibles and translations in particular, because. Um, you know, there's always a new translation coming out somewhere, whether it's big or not. It yeah. seems like there's always something. And then there are, you know, a lot of very popular translations that are used, like the big ones, KJV, NIV, mm. NASB, I guess, is is up there somewhere. I, I mm -hmm. love the NASB translation personally. Not as much as I love the ESV. I'm just going to say it. Like, let it be known. Oh, I've said it before. I, I know. Yes, you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, many, you many, have. Many times. Especially when we were getting paid by CSB <laughs> to promote them. <laughs> but CSB? No. Well, yeah, I know you didn't like them. No, what do you, they didn't pay us. They gave us Bibles. Okay, yeah. And what oh, did we say about the Bibles? Review. We were like, yeah. one of us was a little bit more. Well, yeah, because you, you know. <laughs> I got a little bit you're, more tact. You're, you're, yeah, you're, you're professional. Yeah. I'm not a professional. No, no brother, you are not. I am not a professional. No, you are oh, not. Oh, Piper taught me that. <laughs> I just say what's up. So, um, Bible, why is Bible translation tough? I mean, obviously, hmm. and I, I mean, beyond the fact that, well, you're translating from a, a foreign language or a different language, a dead mm -hmm. language, into a contemporary one, but what particularly, in your understanding, makes the translation of Scripture difficult? Because there's no one-to-one -one correspondence. You cannot take something from 
Hebrew or Greek, the original language, into English and have it be a very neat, just easily transposed, okay, the exact meaning, the exact words are being brought over. Here's the exact English equivalent. You can't do that. Um, and that's not, of course, doesn't only go for um, for Bible translation, but mm-hmm. any translation. Right. It's, it's a... It's not, it, 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 there's, it's kind of a science, but it's more an art mm-hmm. and it, it requires a lot of nuance, understanding deeply of both languages and cultures. So, um, there's a lot of, it's, it's not black and white. There's a lot of gray involved. It's interesting because, mm. uh, you know, you, you, you took Greek. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, okay. So yeah. we took Greek, uh, in, in our theological education. And it's always interesting to me that, um, somebody takes, you know, three, four classes of Greek and it's easy to think, but usually by then they know they don't know any Greek at that point. Yeah, they yeah, should know that, that, but you know, but your first year, second year, people are like, oh God, man, I'm, I'm pretty good at, at my Greek translations, but it, there really is a need for scholars mm. to be doing this, this yes. translation work yeah. that have an understanding of not just language, but language and culture and history and theology, because all of that's involved mm. in how these words are coming together in the original context, right? Yeah, you can't just be a one-dimensional kind of scholar. I mean, you've got to, you have to have breadth in multiple fields. So, um, yeah, it's very much something that you need to have your hand on the pulse of history, culture, theology, um, uh, philology. I mean, all these different grammar and to be able to bring um, artistically what the original is saying into English, today's English, right? mm-hmm. not 1920 English, mm-hmm. but 2020 English, but to do so in a way that is utterly faithful to the original text. Mm-hmm. It isn't getting cute in any way. Yeah. And I mean, I think that yeah. leads us into then, like when we have all these, we have all these English translations, right? Like we've got so many out there. What then in your estimation makes for a good English translation? Mm. I think the good, the true, and the beautiful, mm. Jimmy. Um, readability, accuracy, and dignity. And I mean, I, I, I love and am giving my life to the ESV, I believe it brings those three together mm. better than any other translation. I say that unapologetically. I really think it does. It's a beautiful translation. It's accurate and it's readable. Some translations, they're really high on one of those three, mm, okay. <laughs> but then on the other two, <laughs> there's they're struggling. Yeah, yeah. But and there's there's a little bit of tension involved there because there are trade-offs that you give. But you could have something really, really readable, but no dignity and no accuracy or less. You could have something that's very, very accurate, an ASB, mm-hmm. but the readability suffers. So we're trying to bring these things together mm-hmm. so that someone who's never going to learn English, uh, uh, learn Greek or Hebrew yeah, in the yeah. pew has a Bible that they can trust. Yeah, that's really good because one of the, in fact, all of my Greek professors told me this, never, ever use your embarrassingly small understanding of Greek mm. to under um, to undercut uh, right. a person's trust in their English Bibles, yeah. right? Like it's good to mm. educate and to teach, but like they need to know this is God's word. That's right. I can read this, hold yeah. on to this, and yeah. really believe it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's almost it it makes you chuckle when you hear. Um, someone stand in the pulpit and say, now, here's what your Bible says. I'm going to tell you what it really means. Mm. Uh, no matter what um, a dozen world-class biblical scholars said, this <laughs> w- the way we need to translate this. Um, but I've had three semesters of Greek, so let me tell you what it really means. Right. No. Um, 
I mean, these, these translations we have far beyond the ESV have been labored over. Right. I did mm. my grad school, and for three years at Wheaton, I was doing TA work, grunt work, for the chair of the NIV committee. Wow. And um, I saw, it, it really helped me, guys, to be less quick to criticize, mm. but oh, to yeah. really appreciate and understand what these guys are trying to do. Yeah, really the nuances that they're trying that's to right. sort through, yeah, and yeah, trying exactly. to hold those three in balance. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's right. So who... Who would win in a fight? Oh, ESV, mm. Jimmy, or CSB? Yeah. Oh. Jimmy don't know how to fight. <laughs> no, 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 no. Right. Not, Listen, I will, lover, I will pay the right guy to fight for me. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy looks scary, <laughs> but he's not scary. So, okay, so really, um, what makes, and this is what I'm getting at, what makes ESV yeah. stand out among other English translations? Yeah. Obviously, um, you're invested in the ESV, but I, I, we, we know you, we, we, we know that you wouldn't back a translation that you didn't yeah, believe in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, what is it that makes the ESV stand out among others? Like the CSB came out to new one um, that we have uh, uh, NASB, yeah. which, uh, which is another one that we both really like. I yeah. mean, I grew up on NIV found NASB and was like, here we go. Mm -hmm. Got this. But then mm -hmm. when the ESV mm -hmm. came out, kind of flipped the switch for me in a different direction. So why does ESV stand out among others? Yeah, you're naming great translations, Joe. I mean, th these are phenomenal translations. What an, what an embarrassment of riches we have mm -hmm. with English Bibles. Mm. I grew up in the NIV, love it. NIV study Bible really helped me in high school. Yeah, same. Um, CSB, great translation. Tom Schreiner, the whole team, fantastic, godly, evangelical, world-class scholars. Uh, same thing. NASB is so wonderfully clear to the original even if it's a little bit more wooden that we mm. we forgive that because it's, it shows you what the original actually says yeah. but i uh, the reason that i love the esv uh, the word is transparency mm. transparency um so sometimes the esv is called an essentially literal translation that can throw some people off though i'm happy to sign up for that uh sometimes it's called a word for word as opposed to phrase for phrase mm -hmm. uh understood rightly that's Good. My favorite way to talk about ESV is maximally transparent. So mm. we're trying to, if you have the, uh, you know, on a sliding scale, you've got the original text, the Greek or the Hebrew, the Aramaic on, on the left. Then you have the interpretation of it, what it means on the far right side. The question is where in, in the, on that spectrum between the left and the right extremes, do you drop your translation? Mm. ESV wants to drop it as far to the left as possible towards the original mm -hmm. instead of towards interpreting the text. So something like the NIV or NLT even more right. is, is importing more interpretation into the translation. Now, all three of us want to interpret the text for people. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. To. But the question is, what is the job of the translator mm. and the translation? The pastor, the preacher, the Bible teacher, the small group leader, the reader is going to interpret and uh, the text. But at the level of translation, we want to be, slide that translation to the left and make it, you know, like instead of a fogged up window, make it a very clear, able to see through window mm. to the original text. So that if you and I, who perhaps are never going to learn Greek or Hebrew, we're reading an English Bible and we can see very, as clearly as is reasonable, what the original authors actually said. Mm. 
And see, what I love hearing, like when I'm hearing from you, Dane, like, or, sorry, as I'm hearing from you, like I hear someone that appreciates other translations, mm-hmm. right? Rather than you've got these KJV only and you got right. like, the, you know, there's no translation wars out there. Right. And so you, you've got, like it, for me, you're, you're a very balanced look at it, right? So as you look at the ESV, is there any part of that translation that you're like, mm, we might have missed the mark a little bit here? No translation is perfect. Correct, yeah. And um, in fact, the ESV was first published uh, Jimmy in 2001 and about every six years since then, three times this has happened, we've done a very slight tweaking to the mm. text, which reflects the fact that we didn't get it right the first time or yeah. the second time or mm-hmm. the third time. Language is always changing. Discoveries are being made. Um, so we have to acknowledge that at the very end of the preface in every ESV Bible set, the last paragraph says no translation is perfect, but we offer to God what we have done. So that is absolutely true. But, um, there is, you don't have to be perfect to be very well done mm. and better than some other attempts. If I can say that, I believe that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Well, let's. Let's talk about that on like some other attempts because, um, oh, and I'll, I'll just say like, uh, the, 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 in any translation, Dean, you, you're working, uh, for, for ESV. Um, and even if you're fully satisfied, I know any, every theologian is going to be like, well, okay, m- my understanding of the arguments based on language scholars would lead me to translate this a little bit different mm-hmm. or lead mm-hmm. them to translate it differently. And I tend to side with them, which yeah. is fine. Um, but what are, well, first of all, I'd like to know, I'd like to hear, are there bad English translations that people should stay away from? So think about that. But what I'm getting, what I want to get at is, are there translation accommodations that other translations make that ESV doesn't make on principle? So for example, what I'm thinking of, um, you know, NIV translating um, the word that is typically translated propitiation as atoning sacrifice, because who can understand what? propitiation is um they think atoning sacrifice is easier, easier to understand um or maybe it's like well we're gonna the the, the biblical word is sleep but it's yeah. a metaphor for death so we're just going to translate it death or die yeah um and esv doesn't play that game esv chooses to stick with these words why why is that why why the because you're not it's yeah. not wooden it's very easy to read but you right. guys are very careful in, in maintaining certain, a lot of these words that other translations are saying we're going to get rid of. Them. Yeah, and, and it's transparency, Joe. I mean, it's a really good question. And the, the reason is we want to help people read so that English readers in 2020 are hearing the resonances, the, um, uh, the undercurrents of what the original readers would have been. So that if someone says in the, in the if the Bible says someone fell asleep, and what they mean by that, we all know is mm-hmm. they died. Okay, fine. But maybe there are some little theological footnotes to that, um, referring to a final resur- a final waking up, mm-hmm. a resurrection. Where if you just say so and so died, you lose any chance that someone might have a little um, thought that this person is eventually going to be raised. They're going to wake mm-hmm. up. But if you retain the metaphor, the exact language, David. S- fell asleep, then you're, the interpretation is left open. It might be wrong, but it's still there. It's possible that this that that David is going to one day wake up, which in fact we all believe. Right. Um, so it's a it's really about transparency. Like a metaphor is, is 
is pregnant culturally and, and, and even theologically. It's chosen by the That's authors right. and yeah. by the Holy Spirit for, for reasons that we may not fully understand, but it's it's good to stay with Exactly. And, and hilasterion is a Greek word for propitiation. Some translations say expiation, some sacrifice of atonement, and so on. We, we want to not talk down to the reader. Mm. We want to say, hey, here's a hard word. We're going to use it. Mm. And we want to help you English readers in the pew get summoned up into this world of the Bible, not bring the world of the Bible down to like street level understandability. Why? Mm. Let's bring you all up into it. And that's spend your life understanding what propitiation means. That's a very clear, precise, Mm. definite word communicating something that that Greek word is communicating. Um, Let's not try to navigate around it. What about, and you don't have to answer, of course, you know, mm. you're, you're your own man. Here we go. Here are, we go. Is there, is there like, so there are, you've already said like, hey, NIV, great scholars working on the NIV, mm-hmm. worked on the NIV, uh, CSB, but is there an English translation out there where it would, let me put it this way, it wouldn't be in your top three or four. Like you would not really be encouraging people to pick that one up for to be a, a reader of scripture to be understanding the word. Is there any uh, translations out there that you think are maybe even not so helpful? Um, if you are only limited to one translation, then be very, very thoughtful about what you're picking. I don't think you want to limit yourself. Mm-hmm. If you're getting up every day, just as an everyday Christian, as we all are, and reading one translation day in, day out. Don't do it with the NLT. Don't do it with the message. Uh, Don't do it with Young's literal translation on the other side of that spectrum, um, because you're you're hindering your ability to uh, pick up exactly what the original writers were saying. Mm. Um, those, those are really, some of those are paraphrases, not translations. They have a use. Right. They're useful. I mean, I don't, when you guys are preparing sermons, you want to look at multiple translations. Yeah, absolutely. See how yep. multiple scholarly teams have, have handled it. But at the end of the day, you can't read seven or eight or nine or ten different translations, the same passage every day. You've got to go with one. Yeah. So you want to be very thoughtful. Pick one that has those three of the good, the true, and the beautiful. And it's so easy because we have access to every translation for free right. on the internet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's no excuse not to be looking and and checking all the other ones. So with the ESV, there's plenty of ESV Bibles out there, right? Like, nice ones. Yeah. There's a lot of great ones. Which ones are you? I mean, particularly happy with which well, ones? Men's devotional Bible, probably. Some great introductory articles were written for the men's devotional Bible. Are you I'm in that? Kidding. I don't remember. I write for a lot of stuff, Jimmy. I'm just saying. Like the men's devotional Bible. Bro, you are so really fast good. to jump on that. Thinking. Then I was like, wait yeah. a second. He has <laughs> to be in it if he's jumping that good. hard at that one. We have, we have great friends and partners like Joe who have, who have helped us contribute to different projects. And I, I do think For one shame, of the... For shame, Joey. The, the one, uh, you know... You don't want to pick a translation based on the proliferation of editions that right. it has, but that's a nice secondary bonus. And if they have many different editions in all kinds of, I mean, we got tiny little Bibles, the whole Bible, and I got one out in my car right now that I can pull out in an instant if I need to. And we have a beautiful six volume set with every, uh, with all the mm-hmm. chapter and verse numbers stripped mm-hmm. out so you can just kind of have an immersive reading experience. All different. I mean, my colleagues at Crossway are, I I would put them up against any 
Bible publishing and production outfit in the world. They are absolutely world-class. And not me, but they have created some utterly just gorgeous mm. editions. I mean, the ESV and, study Bible came out and conquered. It felt oh, like, it yes. felt like I, I mean, loved it. Every, yeah. I don't know many people. I mean, you have to really not like, yeah. you know, Calvinistic soteriology right. yeah, and yeah, some yeah. of that to not like it. But man, yeah. Ev, that thing just destroyed. It was a juggernaut. Yeah. Is it, no. That was, I mean, that was a huge... Um, I mean, it caught on, right? I mean, that was something big for Crossway. It was unreal. It was 2008 before I got there. So it's everyone who was there before I got there. And, and they did such an amazing job. I mean, Lane Dennis, the CEO of Crossway, had a vision for that. And um, he's, he's one of the most tireless, hardest working guys I've ever known, among other virtues. And uh, that project just, it was a word in season for the evangelical church. Mm. And it was really wonderful. ESV, and this gets to what you were saying, ESV does a really good job of like actually materially presenting mm. the scripture to yeah. people. And I've heard you talk about this yeah. before. Like that's God's word. Yeah. It's not a book of poems. No. Right. I mean, there's poetry, but it's the word of God and it, they, they treat it, print it artistically typesetting everything that goes into it. I mean, and, and Crossway is a small outfit. Yep. It's not a big outfit. So, yep. Can you talk a little bit about how you guys have chosen to present the Word of God materially for people that, that reflects that value? Mm. Well, it, thanks, Joe. We want to, if, if the Bible is what we say it is, if it is actually a book that is unlike any other on the planet, if, it has, if, it, if the contents of it have a certain value and dignity and significance peerlessly, then would we not want to communicate that value, that peerless significance and dignity in how we present it to people? So we want it to smell good. Mm -hmm. We want it to read right. We mm -hmm. want it to last a long time because that's, that communicates something about the actual contents of what it's so there's a fitness there. Mm. It's, it's, there's concordance there. And um, it would be really odd to produce only cheap Bibles communicating the eternal word of God that fall apart in three weeks. That'd be weird. Yeah. So we don't want to do that. And yet you guys, I mean, uh, the, you, you can read it for free. Um, I know you guys are support a lot of organizations, give a lot of stuff away. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that I love about Crossway is that it really does feel, I think because it is, it feels like a ministry. Mm. It isn't the church, mm -hmm. uh, but it isn't just a publisher. Yeah. You guys are, yeah. uh, you guys are legitimately a ministry yeah. to the world yeah. for the word of God. Right. Yeah, we're a not profit, not for profit, and um, we are a ministry. We we're we're one of those weird hybrids. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're a company, we're a ministry. We're not only one or the other, and it comes from our 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 leader Lane Dennis and his wife Ebeth. Um, they have instilled this in us. We have I have never in my nine point nine years at Crossway been part of a meeting that Lane is leading that he didn't open in scripture and prayer. And um, I, I just think God has said, uh, I don't care what you all think. I'm going to take a prayerful, humble man and what he's trying to do and bless it. Mm. And um, he has blown on the efforts of Lane Lee Beth and the whole family and the ministry. And uh, it's really, really a privilege to be a part of it. Well, Dane, thanks for coming on. Uh, where can people find you online? On the social media. On the you social on the TikTok? media. You doing the TikTok? Oh, gosh. You're not doing TikTok, <laughs> are you? 
<laughs> you got to TikTok. Though. He's got. He's TikTok not doing no TikTok. <laughs> Wait, you are a beach bum. Oh, you're on TikTok, aren't you? It's Twitter mainly now, guys. Oh, he's on yeah. Twitter. Yeah, he's on the Twitter. Twitter. Okay. Yeah. All right, yeah, so we'll link your your Twitter and yeah. your uh, strawberry daiquiri theology <laughs> um, <laughs> blog. We'll do all of that in the show notes. In the show notes. Well, we'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on translations and your favorite ones. You can follow us online on Instagram, Twitter at Doc and Diva, or on Facebook slash Doctrine and Devotion. You can head to the website DoctrineDevotion.com. There you can contact us. You can sign up for the email blast or hit up the store, JoFoStore.com, and grab some gear. Fresh pot every Monday and Thursday. Blog post on Wednesdays. Stay tuned on Thursday for more Dane.